Welcome to My Fertility Journey, Life Chats with Bianca Bullissian. Tuesday or happy whatever day it is that you're listening to this. Thank you for tuning in. And today we will have a slightly different episode. Today will be just me. So a solo episode and we will be going through my recent experience with being diagnosed with gestational diabetes. I didn't even really know what gestational diabetes was until I was diagnosed with it. So first a test where you drink about 50 grams of sugar and take a blood test after about an hour. They have a limit, right, of how much that blood test should be in terms of your sugar levels and I failed by quite a bit. And that's when it all fell apart. My confidence, my trust, the joy that I had been gaining throughout this pregnancy that was quite full of ups and downs just completely fell apart. I spent one full day just crying in between clients, in between meals, Something that I just couldn't control. It was a tightness in my chest that I couldn't describe. Neither could I shake off. Infertility, PTSD. Proper trauma caused by years of disappointment, fear, and distrust. Procedures, drugs, injections. And here I was again, not being normal not doing my best, and failing. I reached out in a post and I got so many encouraging messages and I slowly started to pick myself up. But it did take a bit of reflection. Why was I falling apart so easily, so fast? People reaching out were mostly talking about the diagnosis itself. It will all be fine. It's not a big deal. It's a common thing managed mostly by diet and exercise. You and baby are gonna be fine. Those were all very caring and encouraging and they were the first step in understanding what gestational diabetes actually is. Yet, my heart was still tight and I still couldn't stop crying. Slowly I realized it wasn't the diagnosis. I wasn't scared of gestational diabetes. I wasn't fearful for my health or the babies. It was the fact that it was a diagnosis. I had failed once again. As soon as I was letting my guard down, feeling less worried, more confident, more joyful, again, my body failed me. So it took me a few days to get out of the PTSD feeling whirlwind of emotions, like infertility was happening all over again. And of course, when I was feeling better, I had to do the second test to confirm it. So the first test with the 50 grams of sugar drink, 
is more of a screening test and the second one for the people that failed the first one is more of a diagnostic test. So you fast and do your blood work, you drink 75 grams of sugar this time and then you do blood work at one hour after and two hours after. It is brutal. You're fasting for so long with all that sugar. It is not a fun test at all. I passed two out of three tests and the one I failed was by 0.1 above the limit. So here comes the roller coaster again and down we go. The frustration and the anger to be in this position. It seems like it was so close. How couldn't they just let that go? And just an overwhelming feeling of just being lost and not knowing what to do. What mostly came to me was, seriously, after all I've been through, now this. But through the same process, I picked myself up, talking to people, listening to stories, to advice, and amazing, caring, and loving messages that I got from so many people. And then I decided to take action. So I went into a Facebook group recommended by a friend that's also going through this. I bought the amazing book by Lily Nichols called Real Food for Gestational Diabetes. And I learned what I could and I applied all of that to the guidelines that was also given to me by the diabetes clinic that was now responsible for monitoring me. So all of that together... I needed to now monitor my sugar four times a day, fasting plus one hour after each big meal. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Pricking my finger each time, checking my blood, and taking notes of what I was eating and what the level was. I've been controlling it very well with diet and I have only gone above the limit when I was, you know, experimenting and or just really lazy and I knew it would probably not be good, like having three slices of pizza and nothing else. <laughs> like everything in this journey, this diagnosis also has silver linings. I have learned so much and I can now share my experience and help others that might be going through the same thing, trying to troubleshoot all of these feelings and trauma feelings and emotions that are rushing back. I learned that gestational diabetes does not happen to the stereotypical overweight unhealthy person. It's genetics, it's a few risk factors like being over 35 and or being from different backgrounds like me, half South American, half Middle Eastern. So these are all factors that we can't change, right? So I can't be less than 35 <laughs> if I choose and I cannot change my genes and my nationality, right? 
The explanation behind it is actually quite fascinating. So all pregnant bodies become insulin resistant due to the hormones that are released by the placenta. It affects the job of insulin to lower the sugar levels as it does in a, let's say, non-pregnant body. This is a process that allows our body to serve and provide the baby with nutrients. And so it's a necessary metabolic process. But what happens is that a lot of the bodies can adjust well to this change and others just don't. A good friend of mine put it, luck of the draw. And it's true, it's frustrating as hell, yet it's not something that we should blame ourselves for. There are some uncomfortable truths and statistics that come with the diagnosis of GD. One is fasting numbers are very much hormonal and not easy to control with diet and exercise as the ones that we do after the meals. So sometimes insulin and other medications might be needed to bring it down. Inductions and C-section rates increase in order to avoid the baby getting bigger due to the higher sugar intake. And if it does get bigger, obviously, then a C-section would be necessary. If baby does get big, um, there's also a high risk of injuries like tearing for the birth parent, as well as shoulder dysplasia or dislocation for the baby while coming out through the vaginal canal. And although Gestational diabetes typically goes away after birth. Both parent and baby need to be tested frequently as there is about a 50% chance of developing type 2 diabetes later in life. So even if your sugar levels drop down and your body sort of regulates itself after the baby's born and the placenta, you still have that risk afterwards. And of course, no one wants that. And it's not a comfortable thing to hear. Um, it definitely has inspired me a bit into cooking more often, and which is, I have to say, not something I have a lot of passion for. But, you know, balancing out my meals and also learning how different things affect my body in different ways. I did have some sort of surprising levels, pleasantly surprising, where I ate like a cup of ice cream and I was okay. But then the three slices of pizza, that's a true story, that did not go well. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's tricky and it's so emotional because you do want to be your best when you're pregnant and you want to give all the chances you can for a healthy baby and do everything that's under your control. Um, unfortunately, this is not something that is under our control, except doing the changes and applying the guidelines that they teach us 
like from the book that was just um, really amazing a lot of learning points there as well as the gestational diabetes clinic from the hospital so I am thankful for that part of the experience although it is hard to shake that feeling of frustration and just anger to be put in a position where I yet again have to sort of manage somehow because my body is not functioning as as well as it should. So if if this is of any comfort for anyone out there that's going through this, I I see you and if you are suffering and accepting this, I totally get you. And I have still have days where I have to prick my finger and I'm like, <laughs> why? Just why? But as my, my doctor, my homeopathic doctor in Brazil that is doing my prenatal care with homeopathic remedies, he said, you know, instead of seeing it as a, like a punishment or something that is disrupting your routine, just think of it as just something new that's part of your life for now, like brushing your teeth, like no one wakes up or after a meal and be like, oh, I have to brush my teeth. <laughs> so, or maybe you do, but just seeing it something that is just a new, a new part of a normal routine that I have to go through. So that was helpful advice as well. And I'll leave you with that. If you want to send me a message, comment, um, questions, anything about any of this, I am very much here with open arms to listen to you and, and like help each other get through this. I thank you all for listening and remember that if you have an extra minute, take a screenshot and share this on the social media and tag me, um, myfertilityjourney.ca. You can send this to someone that you think might benefit hearing from it and I'll see you next time. Have a lovely day, stay safe and be kind. This podcast wouldn't be up and running if it wasn't for the help of a few very special people. You can find my special thanks to them all at myfertilityjourney.ca. And if you want to keep in touch, find me on Instagram on at myfertilityjourney.ca. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, leave a review to support the show and share it with anyone you think might benefit from it. Love you all and I'll see you soon.